Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number nine of Mastermind.fm. Your hosts today are Ninja, James Laws of Ninja Forms fame, and myself, Jean Galea from WPMayor.com. Before we get started today, we'd like to take a moment to thank WP Engine, one of the premier managed hosting services for the WordPress community. They've become the first official sponsor of Mastermind.fm and have an offer exclusively for you, our listeners. If you give WP Engine's one-year managed hosting plan a try, the first four months are on them. Just enter the coupon code MASTERMIND at checkout. Now, we can't speak highly enough of WP Engine as a managed WordPress hosting service. They're one of the best, and if you're in the market for a host, looking to upgrade, or just curious about their plans, look them up and give them a try. You won't be disappointed. If you do wind up on board, send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm and tell us about your experience. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining us as we talk about business models for WordPress. And this is, as you know, we talked about models last time. So this is going to be a multi-part series of episodes, again, treating business models for WordPress. James, last time we spoke about several models. If you want to give us a refresher, what we spoke about last time. Yeah, absolutely. So starting off in our last episode, we looked at two basic business models, if you will. Uh, One is free. And we kind of discuss how free can actually be a business model. Uh, so some of those examples were like Yoast SEO uh, originally started off as a free SEO plugin, and probably drove traffic to its his site where he offered better site optimization services where he would evaluate sites. Uh, and there are other plugins like Contact Form 7 and, and several others. Uh, but they generally are used as uh, reputation builders, um, you know, garner traffic build a name for yourself, let people get people to know who you are so that later when you do offer maybe a more uh, paid service, uh, people trust you already because you've already established yourself as uh, giving back to the WordPress ecosystem and the community uh, and, and offering hopefully some quality products in the process. Then we moved on to premium products. Uh, where we looked at the likes of Gravity Forms, who was kind of the first premium plugin uh, in the space, and in in what we would consider a very young um, e-commerce solu- uh, situation in WordPress. Like we've not, been, e-commerce has not been paid products has not been around for very long in the WordPress ecosystem, and they were kind of the first who kind of paved the way for premium plugins. And then there are definitely other solutions out there that we've that we discussed, uh, such as you know WP Rocket and Search WP and Backup Buddy and you know places plugins that are being sold in a place like Code Canyon, like Visual Composer and things like that. Uh, and so those are the first kind of two spaces that that people will usually get involved in when they think of business models. But that's a very narrow idea of what you can do in the WordPress ecosystem. So there's a lot of other models we want to talk about. And why don't you kick us off on the next one we want to discuss? Yeah, and actually, since we're now talking about sort of premium and freemium models, these are all usually based on a license. I think you would agree with me on that one. Yeah, that's correct. And therefore, we might even be making a bit of a side track here and discussing whether we prefer the recurring license model where people pay uh, every year to keep using the plugin or just to receive updates and support or whether we prefer the lifetime model where people just make one payment 
that will give them unlimited updates and uh, support for the rest of the lifetime of that product, not of your own lifetime as a person. <laughs> a very important note to make. <laughs> so what's your preference, James? Um, I am of the opinion, especially to run a, a sustainable business, that if you, if you have expenses that are recurring, so payroll, development, support, uh, utilities, rent, all these things to run a business, if you have recurring expenses that your customers are going to benefit from, especially updated products, security releases, support, and things like that, uh, I'm in favor of a recurring payment structure. So whether that be annually or monthly or whatever, um, I would say the exception to that rule is if you have a really good handle on the lifetime uh, value of a customer. So if a customer is only going to use your product for three years and you know that's the average drop-off time, you could do a lifetime license that basically totals what would cover your three years of a license and offer that. And they think they're getting a deal, but really what your expectation is, in three years they're not going to be using your product anymore, so you're not incurring any more additional expense from that particular customer. Um, so there are different ways of looking at that, but I definitely think recurring uh, makes sense for a sustaining business that you hope to grow over time. Yeah, absolutely agree on that. And perhaps it's also worth mentioning that uh, we've seen recurring models being used more in the plugins business or plugins, yeah, plugin side of things, whereas team shops have adopted, some of them at least have adopted this lifetime license. I'm mentioning, for example, Studio Press which are very successful, probably one of the most successful theme companies. And they are, they've been running from the very start on a lifetime license. What do you think is the thinking behind that in that case? Or whether, why is the difference between plugins and themes? Yeah, I think, um, I think that the difference is with themes, and this is, it really depends on the type of customer that you're selling to, right? But themes generally, especially from a user who's building a site for their business or whatever, are, are definitely one-time uses. They're not getting a lot of updates. Um, not a lot changes as far as those con con are concerned. Uh, I'm sure support is still exists, um, but usually a lot of that support can be easily documented because it's the same kind of issues with the same theme over and over again. So I think a lot of the, the theory behind that is you're only going to use this theme once on a site, and then you're going to move on and use something else at that point. And I think that's a lot of the reasoning behind that. Um, I think also when you look at something like Studio Press, themes isn't really how they make their money, right? They're a bit part of a much bigger company called Copyblogger, and they have Rainmaker and their their, their whole podcast system, their content marketing, and they have some plugins, and they have a hosting solution, like that the theme is not where they're making all of their money. And you're starting to see this transition in other companies as well, like UpThemes is now starting to offering a hosting solution um, because most of the time themes are not where the majority of their money is. That's not always the case, but that's not generally where it is. the majority of the money is. A matter of fact, if you were to talk to Corey Miller of iThemes, you know, they started off with lots of themes, right? That, that's in their name, iThemes. But iThemes make up a very small, small portion of what their overall revenue is. Um, I would, I would, I would definitely uh, be willing to, to bet that most of their income is on plugins. Yeah, that's a perfect summary, I think, of the difference between plugins and themes when it comes to licensing and models. So going back to the freemium way of building a business, let's have a look as we've done in the case of 
the other models that we've already mentioned and mention some of the most successful plugins uh, using this model. So the freemium model, we have MailPoet, which is a newsletter plugin. They, had the, they have the free version on WordPress.org and then they offer a premium upgrade, which gives you some other features and lifts limits. And it's worth mentioning that not all the free plugins are hosted on .org, but the vast majority are. James, you've spoken about iThemes as well. We have iThemes Security from that company. We have Soliloquy, which is a slider plugin. We have Beaver Builder, which is a, like a visual composer kind of uh, plugin. We have MigrateDB Pro, which is a, a plugin for migrating um, installations, WordPress installations. We have the very popular Advanced Custom Fields and also MailChimp for WordPress. So these are, just to mention, a few big plugins which uh, make use of the freemium model. Now let's maybe get into what this model actually consists of. Yeah, so the basic idea of a freemium model is you offer a a free or a light version of a plugin, and then you use that as a channel to upgrade them to a paid or a, a more robust version of the product. And there are a, a number of ways of doing that. When you're thinking about freemium, though, what you, there are some things to watch out for and to be careful for. Uh, one is your freemium product is still going to require support. And so your support load is going to grow with that. And you have to kind of decide on the front end or at least over time how you're going to handle support for the free product. Some pl plugins and some companies will say, you know, we just don't offer support for free. That's a part of the premium solution. But the, the, the danger of that is people will say, well, you don't support the free version and you end up getting one-star reviews and people saying bad things about your product, even if they're not true. And they say all these things about you because really they feel entitled to some level of support because you are offering a free plugin in the repo. So that's, that's, that's a caveat that you kind of want to juggle <laughs> carefully because it, it can bite you if you're not careful. The other, the other thing I would say is be careful about offering artificial limitations from your free to your pro version. Like I've seen many form plugins that say, oh, well, we offer these, you know, four fields or you can build three forms or you can add five fields to your form. Well, these are artificial limitations. There's no reason why any form plugin shouldn't allow you to add 20 fields if you want to add 20 fields. So they're doing that as an upsell, but it looks shady. Like it looks bad when that's when you create artificial limitations to why, how you can do it. Uh, so those are two things that I would just say to look out for if you want to have a successful freemium product is, uh, you know, keep, keep track of that free support and be careful about making artificial limitations in your product. What are your thoughts on that? I use other products which are non-WordPress, which operate on a freemium model, such as Slack. And as we speak, I'm trying to think how that would translate into a WordPress plugin. Because, for example, Slack has, has a limit of messages as one of the limiting features and if that would be in a wordpress product maybe we could compare it to MailPoet's limit of sending i think it was 3000 emails a month with their free version which is in a way an artificial limit but it also makes sense as in somebody who would be sending that amount of emails or more is probably using it for a commercial purpose and hence has the money to pay for the premium version and really should be 
on that premium version supporting the plugin and getting support what do, what do you think about that um yeah i can i can see what you're saying mailpoint is an interesting solution too because if if i understand right mailpoint is just using wordpress right to send its emails so it's just your host or unless you use an smtp plugin or or something of that nature to authenticate with your email server um it is very much an artificial uh limitation right because they're not doing anything extra to send over 3,000 emails like it doesn't affect them it's your host that's actually taking the full load so I don't feel really good about that to be honest um, it's different to me when I think of something like slack because you're talking about archives and storing messages like those are some of the limitations um, multiple users and private channels and things like that that's 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 load and database queries and weight, and there's a lot more involved in that. So I can I see a little more value in paying for those types of things. Um, and Mailchimp is another example of like a service that has limitations, right? You can send up to two thousand in your list, or so many emails you can send for free, and then you moved into paid tiers. But you know they're sending those emails for you, so there's server cost and there is processing cost, and you know there's all this stuff that's going on in that, and so those kind of things don't bother me too much. Yeah, and perhaps I I don't want to misrepresent what male poets are actually offering because it might be more than that uh, just limit of subscribers um, that goes into the difference between the free and the pro versions. I'm on their site at the moment, just going through a few things and there seems to be better statistics more customization of lists and such things that goes into the pro version so just to clarify on that yeah that's fair i don't and i don't want to misrepresent them either like i just based on that as an example i guess is what i'm saying more than it, that that's what mailpoint actually does but you know greater statistics and reporting those are great premium features and if you're a business that's relying on your mailing list and you want to know how you're performing better reporting that is a premium upgrade that that absolutely makes sense and if you need reports sure you can pay for that kind of stuff so i think that's that's great yeah so yeah and another service non-wordpress again which operates on a freemium model is help scout which we use um, very successfully in our own business same model you pay for um, you have i think the first five users are free and you pay for extra users on a per user basis. Yeah, and while we're at it, I and touching back on a topic we spoke about in the last episode, there's the question of code duplication when we talk about the free and the pro plugin. So in the early days, we've we have seen many plugins just having a copy of their free free plugin being used as a basis for building the pro plugin. So you'd have to uninstall the free one and install the pro one when you're upgrading, which is quite a bad way of doing things even in terms of internal management of the code base. Yeah, and I'd point out that's exactly how NinjaForms did it in the early days, right? We had a light version and a premium version, and you know, managing the code base, knowing that the light version was in the premium version, it just had some additional stuff to it, um, made it challenging from a development standpoint, and it made it challenging for our users, right? Because they could essentially try to install these side by side and cause problems. So. Yeah, so again, we want to emphasize the fact that you should be building your plugins from the very first line of code and to be extensible uh, because it's and, and please try to plan your plugins and your model from the very early days because it's very hard to change later. We have run into problems ourselves with aggregator as well where we had stuck with uh, we, we, we created some uh, add-on models 
when some bundles which uh, didn't really work in the long run but we were stuck with them because that's how things were coded and it was hard to move away from them yeah i would say something and maybe i will we'll recap this i think at the end of this series too but something i want to say about business models in general is um experiment like there's no reason to be stuck in a particular business model or to start out and then find out it's not working and not pivot. Change, like experiment. Ninja Forms went from a completely paid product to a freemium product with a light paid version to the add-on model and then later to an add-on marketplace model. So we transitioned several times before we found what actually worked for us. Um, my The only advice would be, you know, do it sooner rather than later. Experiment in the early days because the larger your user base gets and the larger your customers, uh, the harder it is to make that pivot. We saw that with WooThemes uh, and WooCommerce specifically a few couple years ago when they started changing their payment structure and their model a little bit and everybody kind of uh, kind of rose up angry with uh, over it. But the truth is they needed to make that change if they wanted to stay in business. So if you can make those decisions early, and experiment early, you'll you'll do yourself a huge service. Okay, shall we move on to the next uh, business model? Yeah, so this is one you know a little bit more about than I do. Uh, productized services. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of learn from you a little bit on this because I've not experimented with this one specifically, um, and I I don't know a lot of people in this sphere really. So why don't you take that away? Yeah. So. Well, what, what is a productized service? The idea behind it is scalability, really. So whereas as a freelancer or as an agency, you get a new client, you discuss the requirements, and then you give them the service. With a productized service, you, you cut out the initial inquiry and discussion procedure, and you just offer a package of what whatever it is you are providing. And people can then just see the price right away and order the service with minimal to no pre-sales contact, basically. Then you perform the service and deliver it in the form of usually a report or just some other content-based output. So just to mention, again, a few examples. There is WooSplit, which is an A-B testing, split testing service specifically for WooCommerce. There is AudienceOps, which while not directly WordPress related as a service for content marketing, where basically what these people are doing is promising to deliver a few articles to you every month based on whatever it is you're selling. And there's Yoast himself, or, or well, Yoast, I guess it's better to talk about Yoast as a company nowadays, where they perform the website review service. And tying in again to our previous episode, their services, their productized service was in place even when they were distributing their plugin for free so back then it was the free plugin was a way of attracting users to this productized service of theirs another famous productized service is wp curve and it spawned i guess tens or hundreds of copycats since it was set up wp curve is run by dan norris and is basically a maintenance service where you pay an amount every month and the guys at wp curve will give you a few hours of support on your WordPress site and keep all your plugins updated, core and all, all themes updated as well. So there, those are just some examples of how you can package your service into a product and be able to scale it by using processes. So that's basically, in a nutshell, 
what productized services are all about. And in our case, in WP Mayer, we also have a few of these. And that's how we monetize WP Mayer. We have our sponsored post service, for example. Uh, even our product review service can be thought of as a semi-productized service. So yeah, and not knowing a lot about this space, but but definitely hearing a lot about it from other podcasts and, and hearing you talk about it. It seems to me, right, this is can be a great way to get started on something when you don't have a product per se, but you think you have something that's reproducible that you can kind of package in the shape of a product and offer to people. And if you can keep doing that, it may be something that actually grows right into an actual, not even just a productized service, but an actual product and grows into that. So it's a good I, I could be a looked at as a good stepping stone into something like that. Yeah, and I'm quite familiar with the digital nomad circles. And this is something I've seen over and over again, where people have this lifestyle of freelancing, for example. They're working long hours and they want to break out of this routine and maybe travel to other places and scale their business. But they don't have, they're stuck, you know, in, in this wheel of continuous client uh, relationships and it's hard it's really hard to break out of that unless you have some cash stacked away that can provide you uh, with a runway of say six months while you develop a product which again you have no guarantee that it will sell in the long run so the go between that is to have a productized service which will enable you to um, get clients without having to be in constant communication with them and you can do the, the work from anywhere in the world at your own time you know i've seen many people as you mentioned transition from freelancing to productized service and then through that service realize that there is real scope for a plugin to be developed for all these clients because another thing that must be mentioned here is that a productized service will usually enable you to work with a higher volume of of people than you would as a freelancer because what you're doing usually is to narrow down and focus your your offering to one specific thing. So say compare a design agency, which is doing all sorts of um, design leaflets, logos, banners, whole websites. Consider if they would just focus specifically on logos as their productized service. Logo for $250. Three revisions, that's it. And that means you will be taking on maybe... 100 clients a month whereas before you would have like five maybe so that volume opens you up to new possibilities in the development for a, pro a product that, that's interesting yeah so i mean the idea right is anything that you can create um stable and reproducible systems and processes around uh, probably are a good channel for a productized service if you're you're interested in doing that kind of thing yeah very cool so the next one that we have on this list here it's Kind of turning into a never-ending list, to be honest, but <laughs> we're tackling them one by one. So memberships is another model that we have here. And by memberships, we, we mean it could be themes, it could be plugins, it could also be blogs. In the case of post status, we've seen that Brian Krogsgaard has transitioned his WordPress blog from being completely free into a membership model where he's providing a Slack channel, number of channels actually, a premium daily newsletter, and also a directory of WordPress agencies and personal profiles. And uh, yeah, I've actually joined this week and it's, it's a really clever way of monetizing a blog. And there are also other examples, as I said, in the themes and plugins world. 
James, if you have some examples you could share. Um, well, I mean, so we, we talked a lot. Themes tend to follow in, in this category quite a bit, right? Because a lot of times when you're trying to get either an agency or a developer or somebody who's building lots of client sites, you just want to give them a membership so they have access to all of your themes that they can reproduce and kind of work through that process. So Studio Press is kind of it could be looked at as kind of an example although their membership is kind of a one-time fee to buy their themes but studio press is kind of can be looked at kind of that up themes i think does a similar process um elegant themes so you see that in a lot in the, of theme companies and post status i i love right i st i actually joined them when they first when when brian first started post status i I uh, joined up immediately and have been really enjoying the newsletters. It's great content. And he's he's expanding that process, right? So he's creating places for like jobs boards that he's working on and so he can connect other work, other developers and businesses together and creating relationship and synergy there. I have more people now contact me when they have questions, business related questions about our business through post status because we're all all of us are kind of in that community. So it's been a great way of connecting people so the slack group is a, is a great tool for that um but yeah so there's I, I see mostly i see a lot of themes doing that and there are definitely a lot of other membership sites i don't know if you would call it bob wp does a lot of tutorial stuff um wp 101 so they have tutorial videos it's kind of a membership i i guess i don't know if they if it's a one-time fee or if it's a regular i would assume there has to be some sort of a recurring nature because he he punches those videos out every time there's a new version and that takes time uh, but he's got a system down for that so there's there's that uh, there's a lot of different services like that 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 can offer uh, value to a greater community whether like we said whether it be content or products yeah i mean there's wp 101 as well which is video based video tutorials and there's video user manuals run by troy dean and as i mentioned troy dean another uh, website is wp elevation run by the same troy dean where it's fully a full membership site where people can learn how to run. Mostly, I think it's focused on freelancers and agencies who work with WordPress. That's a very good one, which you can join if you're into freelancing or agencies. It's very it's very meta. It's it's the business model is a subscription site, membership site to help people build businesses. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. Yeah, it's good. I, I'm in it and it's very good. Very cool. Yeah, and then there's, we can mention WPMU Dev, which have entered into some controversies over the years, but nevertheless remain one of the most successful WordPress-based businesses. Um, they, they sell mostly plugins, although they have a few themes as well. So their whole model is, I think it's actually a support-based model as well, where they're selling support for WordPress websites, not only the plugins and their own teams. As in, as for business models, I would definitely have a look at what WPMU Dev are doing there. They've been around for many years now. So then there's this other kind of controversial one, right? So when we talk about WordPress and where everything's open source, every, all of us are developing code that is uh, licensed under the GPL. Uh, and so there are some sites that are cropping up that share other premium or paid products through their own sites. So generally, uh, well, why, why don't you break down what these, how these sites work? Because you have a, actually have a good blog post talking a little bit about that and a huge comment thread about this very topic. So why don't you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, so many people come to WPMare to research plugins. So 
this was one of the things that I decided to write about a while back. So around, I think, two years ago, or may, might even be three now, we had, it all started actually with Woo teams um, changing their model. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I remember that uh, many people were sort of furious of the pricing changes that Woo teams were implementing. And there was, uh, I think it was called WP Avengers, and I'm sure there was another one as well which came out in full force against these changes by Woo teams by selling, again, reselling the plugins themselves at a cheaper price than Woo was selling them. And that spawned other copycat websites of which now there are more than 20 big ones now. And they're all listed on this blog post that I link up in the show notes. So basically the model there is you pay a monthly membership, which can be as low as say $15 and you'll get access to mostly it's WooCommerce add-ons there, but we've seen all kinds of plugins being shared, including EDD and other popular like plugins like WPML and even Yoast SEO. So what they're doing is just downloading the plugin from the original author and putting it up uh, again for people who want to download it. Now the ethical question obviously comes up here. Are these people benefiting the community? Are they misrepresenting plugins? Because we have a lot of people who are buying these plugins thinking that they are the actual original authors. And then we, they, we, we see them going back to say Gravity Forms for support when they never had a license to begin with. They had only downloaded this sort of pirated version of Gravity Forms. So there's this issue as well with confusion among uh, people. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, if we talk about the legalities of it, I think we'll we'll have to have another whole episode where we'll just unpack and talk about the GPL specifically because that's a whole can of worms that I don't think we want to get to in this particular episode. But technically speaking, they are within their rights to do this. This is something they are allowed to do. Um, but it does breed confusion. I mean, we now granted, in some cases, these people end up becoming our customers because they get these free products, they need support, they come to us and we say, you you didn't get this from us. And they're like, oh, well, I, did, I didn't even realize it. And so they end up buying a license from us anyway. Um, but that's not always the case. But it definitely has the, the potential of breeding a lot of confusion among users as to who is the original author of these products? How do I get support? How do I get updates? Um, are these things secure? Because some of these sites have not all of them, but some of them have ill int intent, right? Like it's not just to offer you free products um, that you don't, you know, you don't have to pay for them from, uh, from, you know, all these product companies. Some of them are putting malware scripts and all kinds of malicious code into these plugins. And so you're buying them from these membership sites or downloading them and installing them and exposing your website to all kinds of security breaches. So it's a it's it's a dangerous space that you have to be really mindful and careful of what you're doing if you're going to even look at that as a model. And and to be honest, I think in a lot of cases there's I think WordPress community is split a little bit. So if you were to say I want to do a GPL club and I'm going to do this very thing, right? Half the community will say, "Hey, that's well within your GPL right. You're we support you. We think you should do it. Go for it." There's another half that's going to say, "Hey, yeah, it's within your right, but kind of a, a, a bum move, right? Like you're you're stealing customers away from us and that's how we pay our payroll. It's how we support our team. It's how we run our business. And you don't seem to care about that. So there is going to be this divide. So if you are okay with tension and controversy, yeah, it, it is a model. It is something you can do. Yeah. I think there's no clear yes or no answer to this question. Yeah. 
it's it's really worth doing a whole episode on that and delving into all the various questions that arise but one thing i'll say is that while it might be an attractive business model it will certainly get you marginalized within the wordpress community and that's never something you want happening to you yeah i i completely agree with you on that um i think we're at a good point to wrap this up and we'll continue on with our business model discussion in a, in the next episode. But to wrap up, uh, Jean, why don't you share, uh, one of the things we want to do is get feedback from our listeners so that we can improve our podcast as much as possible. We want to answer questions that you guys have uh, and girls have uh, on running your businesses and things that you're coming in contact with. So if you would like to ask us a question, you can go to mastermind.fm and leave us, we have a, a, a submit a question button that you can uh, fill out that form and send it to us. Or you can just email us at podcast at mastermind.fm. And we would love to address your questions on a future episode. But we would also love to hear your feedback at iTunes reviews. So if you'd be willing to go over to iTunes, on um, whatever region you listen to iTunes on, as they have split up reviews based on the region that you're in. Uh, and leave us a, a review. We would love to hear that kind of feedback, and we may read your review on the show. In fact, let's go ahead and read a review right now. Yeah, so this today's review is from Matthew Zamit, and this is taken from uh, the Maltese iTunes. So it's entitled, Many Takeaways to Implement. And again, it's a five-star review. So thank you, Matthew. Um, so Matthew says, loving the first few episodes, great content shared as John and James discuss in a very informal way based on their experience. Looking forward to work on takeaways to implement while I'm building my business. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Matt. And we look forward to giving you more information that can help you build your business. And again, I ask everyone who has any question to submit them over at mastermind.fm. Thanks, guys. Take care. And we'll see you in the next episode of mastermind.fm. See you next time. Bye.